Welcome to Guy at the Movies Live, your weekly source for the biggest movie news and discussion. My name is Joe, and I am joined by the fantastic co-host, Sean, Math Teacher Movies. How are you? Hey, I'm doing lovely, Joe. Um, welcome to August, um, yeah. where the uh, where it uh, starts to be a slow movie, movie season, um, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> that's a, it's a tough one to swallow this time, so I don't know what slower will look like. I think we're going to be taking away movies or something like that. I I don't know. We might actually get the opposite with the you know some of the news we're going to be talking about today, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we apologize for not being able to stream last night. There was a storm that was rolling through. You may have heard of it. It was a tropical storm slash hurricane, depending on where you were. Um, I lost power for about twelve hours. Sean, I know you lost internet at one point, so it was not uh, conducive to us jumping on here to do our regular Tuesday night recording and release the podcast on Wednesday morning. So the podcast will be coming out after this recording this evening. Um, so if you've been, you know, waiting for it, you will have it for your drive tomorrow morning. Uh, yeah, but this for about four hours and, uh, you know, it was terrible. I couldn't watch my Tarkovsky <laughs> film, um, which is definitely what all the kids were upset about too. Um, but you know, I, I, I bared through it. I'm doing okay now. Um, thank you all for your words of support, but I, I made it to the other end. You told me that you wanted to watch animal crackers again. And did you get to do that yet? Don't you dare test me. Cause I saw your review for animal crackers and we're going to have words later. Let's have words. It wasn't bad. Anyway, uh, this is episode seven. Uh, and as always, if you're watching live here on YouTube, we'll be interacting with your comments throughout the show. Otherwise, uh, enjoy the podcast because we'll be uh, we'll be chatting a lot of movie news today. So why don't we jump right into it? Uh, and we will start with the fantastic news that Courtney Cox is returning for uh, Scream, Scream 5 and whatever incarnation of Scream this is going to be. Are you excited for this? So here is uh, the parts of uh, my film fandom that uh, makes me ashamed. I have uh, never actually seen a Scream movie. I uh, oh. Trust me. So I was, I know, I know. I was, um, no, so I, I can't even blame how I was raised. Um, I, I was growing up as a scaredy cat. Um, I was scared of scary movies. I realized that scary movies are now fun. I'm making up for lost time as best I can. But at, the, at this moment, the, the Scream franchise has not gotten to me yet. However, with this news, I will be willing to do a Scream marathon. And so I am ready for that kind of moment. Now, in terms of Courtney Cox coming back, hasn't she done this already? Like during the fourth one? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of questions about what this movie is going to look like. So there was the original uh, trilogy, which... Excuse me. The first definitely has um, a fan following or cult following, as you will. The second also, I think, is pretty popular in a lot of ways. The third is kind of mixed. I I like it a lot, um, but you know the way that they wrapped up the story and kind of you know uh, pulled back the curtain on things that had not been alluded to in previous uh, movies. You know, you know how like when they're like, oh crap, we need to make a third. Um, what are we going to do? Oh yeah, this has been happening the entire time behind the scenes and you just didn't know it. Like that's <laughs> kind of what happens here. Um, so, so yeah, so I don't know. The fourth one was, it, it left a lot to be desired. Um, but I'm interested in this one mainly because the people that were behind ready or not, uh, last year's film are right or directing it. So I'm very into that. Very, very into that. 
so yeah, Ready or Not was uh, probably on my top 10 films last year. Uh, it was probably the best surprise for me of the entire year. I never thought I'd like, you know, some sort of gory, goofy slasher horror movie that much, but it was very good. So upon hearing yeah. that, I think that's great news. Um, I am, of course, always worried about the nostalgia porn that we have where it's just, you know, everything is just all about looking to the past and looking to past cast and everything like that. On the other hand, the recent Halloween movies, which also I didn't see because I'm a scaredy cat. Um, and uh, I, I say they brought back Jamie Lee Curtis. I heard they dealt a lot with the trauma of it. Instead of making it just like, you know, remember Jamie Lee Curtis. It's just, you know, what is this character doing now? Yeah. So maybe with a Courtney Cox situation, they could say, what is this character doing with it now? This is me talking about something that I don't know. Not seen. <laughs> no, they, I think you're right. Like there, there's a lot that they can talk about. I mean, Courtney Cox was not the main actress. It was Nev Campbell that was the lead. And she did say, I think last month or the month before, it may have been six months ago at this point. Cause again, time doesn't exist in a pandemic. No longer. Um, but yeah, but uh, she, she did say that she was in, uh, there's been talks, I think is what, what she had like led on in an interview. So um, Nev Campbell might be coming back. We do know David uh, Arquette is coming back. So Courtney Cox's ex actually, which is kind of interesting. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, I hope that they utilize them in a fun way instead of just being like, here's the fifth story that we're trying to come up with. Um, you know, like do something meta, right. Where people are watching like a movie and it's scream or it's a version of scream with them, or I don't know, like do something fun, do something stupid, um, play into it a little bit. Cause I think that's what we're seeing with horror a lot right now. It's success like ready or not the reason that was successful is because it knew what kind of ridiculous movie it was and just played right into it. And yeah. uh, it was, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Um, it was kind of suspenseful throughout. Uh, so if those guys are the ones that are trying to bring screen back to the big screen and uh, bring it back to, you know, what, what the fans really enjoy it for. And then I'm all about it. I absolutely agree. Yes. Yeah. So we, we did skip over uh, what we've been watching. We can get to that at the end, but there's a horror movie that I watched in there this past week that I am, it, it's one of the best horror movies I've seen in a while and it completely caught me off guard, but we'll get no, to I actually that. I have to ask you, like, we'll, we'll talk about it then, but um, I, this horror movie is on shutter. Everyone's talking about it. Yes. Is it worth me getting a shutter? <laughs> is it worth me getting a shutter? <laughs> Should I get a Twitter? Can uh, I buy it the shutter? <laughs> yeah. um, definitely get the seven day free trial. Um, and it's, I think shutter is only six 99 or seven 99 a month or something. Um, it's definitely worth it. It's so we can talk about that real quick. Host is a, uh, it was filmed over quarantine. It takes place entirely on zoom and it's about, um, a bunch of individuals that are uh, a bunch of friends that are getting together for a seance over zoom because who doesn't do that? Um, and then things go awry, but it is, it was legitimately suspenseful and frightening. Um, it, I watched it like five o'clock in the evening and it was, you know, still bright out and stuff like that. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised. It does. It kind of plays on like a paranormal activity type uh, horror. And I, you probably haven't seen them either, huh? <laughs> I know they're found footage, but right. yeah. <laughs> so it plays that, but I think it does it even better than paranormal activity did. So um, yeah, I definitely recommend it. I really, and it's only a 56 minute movie. I love that runtime. Yeah. Um, I, I, I gotta ask now is the climax? we don't have to, we don't have to spoil, but is the uh, climax of the movie um, where uh, the killer thinks he's on mute 
or isn't on mute and is talking the whole time and is my I need something where it's just like something I can relate to with my Zoom when you know a bunch of kids show up and I'm like 10 minutes into the lesson and I'm like, shit. <laughs> um no, you're not gonna have that. Uh one of the characters is a math teacher, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, come on. You got me so excited for like two seconds. I was in this great world. Come on. I apologize. We'll talk about host a little bit more later on. Um, but right now I really want to talk about Amy Adams next movie that she just booked because this is, this is the one that's going to get her that Oscar. Um, Amy Adams is starring uh, in a new movie that is coming out based on a book that has yet to be released, which is my favorite part of this story. The book uh, comes out in 2021, I believe uh, the, the book is called night bitch and Amy Adams is going to star as a mother who uh, is going uh, is dealing with anxiety and depression post having her child, raising her child as a stay at home mom, um, and she begins to believe that she is a dog. <laughs> I so you said you said with a with a, a smidge of irony um, that this is how she gets her Oscar, um, and uh, I think that that kind of thoughtless comment uh, should not be warranted. Uh, this is definitely <laughs> where she gets her Peabody. Um, this is absolutely, you know, just, I'm in, I'm in like, like, this is the one thing I think about this kind of thing is like, this could go terrible, but this is Amy Adams we're talking about here. And so, you know, you think about this, if this were like, um, I'm trying to think of just someone, you know, if this was Selena Gomez, who's not a bad actress at like at times and stuff like that. But you know, if she was the one turning into a dog, it's like, Oh, this is going to be one of those disaster, terrible movies. But Amy Adams did sign on for this. And I I think there's something to that. And a part of me just says that, you know, if anyone can make it work, it's Amy Adams. I don't think anyone can make it work. Like, I, I just genuinely don't. But um, this is something where, you know, you're going to get um, butts in seats or maybe Amazon Fire Sticks pointed at TVs. Um, <laughs> either way, like, there's going to be people that are going to want to see this for the novelty alone. I hope it's not just the novelty. I hope there's something there. Um, what's interesting is you saying the book hasn't been released yet. This actually re reminds me of the plot of adaptation, where you know they the, uh, she wrote an article about uh, um, she wrote an article about flowers, and then they're like, "We want to make this into a book." And while she's writing the book, they're like, "We want to make this into a movie." And then you know Charlie <laughs> Collins ran the movie. It just seems like it's that kind of rush Hollywood ridiculousness that. I do kind of love, <laughs> like, you know, at times it's just, you know, like I, I still think that as much as Hollywood has become more modern and become more interesting, there still is the fat guy in the three piece suit with a cigar saying, yeah, make it a movie. Amy Adams. <laughs> like, I, I, like there, there is that level to it, but regardless, yeah. I am excited for this. I am cautious optimism, I guess is the word I can use, but uh, I, it could be interesting. It sounds like a book I would be totally interested in, to be honest. And the reason I say that is because it, it's very accessible. I mean, it's talking about a mother who struggles with being at home with her, uh, I think, a, a two-year-old at the point of the movie. That's part of the description that she's home with her two-year-old child. Um, so I'm, I don't know if we're going to see the birth of the child and then like those two years or whatever. But um, at the the point where she starts believing all this, she's two year, she's uh, she has a two-year-old. But, you know, she's dealing with depression. She's dealing with anxiety. And I think that's very accessible for a lot of people out there, especially new mothers. And um, depending on the relationship, that it's something that could be very real for a lot of people. So um, I, I don't know. I, I'm into it. I, I Again, it's a book that I would read. So it's definitely yeah. a movie I would see. And I love Amy Adams. So um, 
we we'll see what happens with that. I'm curious um, with uh, with Horse Girl um, was the Netflix movie that came out recently, and it talked about um, uh, Allison Bree's character dealing with depression. And that one, I for me, that was a difficult movie to follow. It was a difficult movie for me to get my hands around, but I still thought like for what it was doing, it was very impressive. And yeah, so, I still haven't watched that, but um, now that you say that, it does kind of strike some similarities to me. So uh, in some ways, so maybe I'll I'll check that out. Still on my list. <laughs> um, <laughs> But jumping around a little bit, speaking of Amy Adams, her next film is rumored to be heading to Netflix. Uh, apparently, Netflix is in final negotiations to bring The Woman in the Window, which is also based on a novel, best-selling novel, uh, to uh, its streaming platform at some point soon. Uh, it's a film that has been moved multiple times. It first was supposed to come out last October, but during test screenings, uh, I guess the third act was... Uh, really not up to par. A lot of the feedback was that they needed to rework it. So I believe they did that. It was then scheduled to come out in May, but COVID happened. Uh, and now here we are. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of fascinating though, because Disney now owns woman in the window since they acquired Fox. It was a Fox property, I believe. Um, so now they're selling it off to, uh, Netflix. Um, but Hey, I, I'm into it because I, I, you and I talked about this a little bit offline. I'm pretty excited for this movie. I mean, the fact that they had to rework the third act and stuff doesn't really thrill me. But at the same time, um, th if it's based on a book, hopefully they just do that justice, right? And don't change much. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? So for a fraction of a second, when I heard it was owned by Disney, for the fraction of a second, I said, why isn't it going on Disney Plus? And in that fraction of a second, I realized, oh, I could imagine Woman in the Window right next to Onward and, <laughs> and uh, Snicklepuss's Adventures through Timeland. Like, and so through both of those things, I said, oh, wait, no, maybe maybe Woman in the Window shouldn't be on Disney+. Plus. I don't know <laughs> what I was thinking. But um, so I, I think it's a great move to have this on Netflix where you're in a situation where the movie has gotten bad press, not to say it's a bad movie, but just the movie has gotten bad press. And so it's like, all right, we'll put it on Netflix. Cause if it's got this kind of bad press where it's getting bumped around a little bit, I don't think anyone's going to be clicking that $20 button. And so yeah. I think about, you know, going back, like maybe this is good to like pop up on Netflix. It ends up in the top 10. It has some staying power. Um, I felt a little bit different about this movie than you. I think that the, uh, the trailer, I said this, the cast is absolutely just gold standard. Um, the trailer did look pretty terrible, and that does not mention it, like, that does not make a bad movie or anything like that. Sometimes the trailer is genuinely bad, and, you know, oh, the movie's way better, and I'm hoping that's the case with this one. Um, I can't read, so um, uh, Sam read the book, and she said it's very interesting, and when I she can't read. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I, I just really like, you know, once I open a book and, you know, I get through a couple of sentences, I'm like, this is going to be a movie eventually. What are we doing? And so I just, you know, close that up. Um, but uh, I, um, <laughs> you really have an intellectual for a co-host. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really on you. Um, I, um, with me, I uh, like think, okay, she said it was going to be pretty good. She said that the trailer is taking it a different direction, which, um, I, I don't exactly, I, I can see that. I can see what they're trying to do there. They made it look like a generic thriller. Um, and I hope that it can get, you know, I, I, I hope it has a good landing on Netflix and I hope it's a pretty good movie. That's how I'm pr predicting it. 
I do absolutely hate though when you have a book, you have the full story that's right there, and you are going to change it up and not deliver uh, on you know what what the actual ending was. We talked about that with Bird Box a little bit a couple weeks ago. Um, they changed the ending of Bird Box to not be as graphic and crazy as uh, the the book was, where like they claw out their eyes and stuff. But um, you know, I would love to see that because I I just believe in sticking to what you purchased in that sense, right? Like why, if, if the book was successful and you want to adapt it into a movie, don't steal the person's ideas to like put your own spin on it or, and change it up because you think it's going to be more mass appeal. Make that book a movie. I, I agree with you to a degree, but I think that sometimes, you know, books and movies do not adapt perfectly together. And that's one of the things I think about. And I think about this, and this is the example I use all the time, is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I, believe it or not, I've read the book and also seen the movie, watched the movie. And they're both fantastic. And Ken Kesey, like, you know, famously hated the, um, hated the uh, movie. And I could see why, because they changed quite a lot. They kept some of the original ideas. If they adapted that, um, if they adapted that book, like you know, page for page, or at least event mm -hmm. for event, or like really kept a lot in there, that would have been the messiest, most ridiculous movie. I would be curious to see how it would go, but it would be the weirdest thing. And you know, sometimes I think, I think like what you, the point you just made is pretty great. Like, why would you bother with uh, putting that in there? And I think it's about taking the same ideas, taking mm -hmm. the same story. And then you have to put stuff better for the movie. I think about another one I just thought about now, uh, Feel the Dreams for Shoeless Joe. Um, if you adapted Feel the Dreams the same way, it would have been a uh, five-hour movie that you would have been bored out of your skull with. But yeah. they kept the same things with those two. Um, those are the only two examples I can think of because those are the only books I've written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I totally understand that. I think if they stay true to the theme and the intent of the story, then I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I'm trying to remember there was a film that was a uh, it was a book that was adapted to film and they completely just altered the ending. And I think it was something with like a person would was like died in the book, but lived in the movie or something. And they clearly only did it so they could continue on if they wanted to. But um, I don't know. It's it's a little crazy to me. Um, what's not crazy to me, man, we're in transition hell tonight. Oh, you are. Um, what's <laughs> What's not crazy to me is the new Pixar animated film that's coming out. Uh, the original that we just learned about is uh, Luca. And I am incredibly excited about this because Italy is one of my favorite places on earth. So to see them bring it to life in hopefully the same way that they brought other places to life, thinking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, Coco and stuff like that. Like, I, I want to see what they do to Italy. But the story is kind of interesting. It tells a story of two young guys or two young boys on a, uh, uh, what is it? On an island, an Italian island that quote unquote are experiencing an unforgettable summer filled with gelato, pasta, and endless scooter rides. Who among us has not uh, had that type of summer um, this summer? But uh, he is holding a deeply held secret that he is actually a uh, sea monster from another world just below the water's surface. You know, I, I really just think about a movie, uh, you know, back in the day about uh, two, uh, two young uh, gentlemen in Italy during the summer. And uh, one of them is holding a uh, deep, dark secret as they share different uh, <clears throat> bike rides. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to the Pixar version of Call Me By Your Name. I think that... <laughs> 
I, I mean, honestly, like if they make it that beautiful, I know that's not what they're doing here, but if they make it that beautiful, I am uh, like, they know, like Pixar, even in the bad stories knows how to make a beautiful setting. The good dinosaur is trash, but the, <laughs> like the, the animation and the setting that they're in, it's just like, Oh, that's what they spent the money on. Like, like it is. And so I think about Italy, I think about the countryside, you know, the guy's going to end up being like, you know, a sea monster, which just sounds like, okay, they're going to throw in some Moana, which is not Pixar, but still I'm getting it here. Um, there's the, uh, it's the uh, director of La Luna and the writer of Lava, or no, excuse yep. me, the producer of Lava. Producer and, of Lava. Um, Lava was probably like, everyone always like, you know, craps on Lava. And I'm like, Lava was a beautiful short. It was the, just an amazing, like, you know, it was, it was a song and everything like that. But I just thought that was made beautifully. Um, just looking at the concept art, cause that's all they have, unfortunately. But it just looks like, okay, they're going to be putting some setting in there. That's going to be just absolutely breathtaking. Well, and it's got similar, like going back to the Coco thing, cause I really enjoy Coco, but I love the setting of Coco and how they played with color. Um, and just looking at this one picture that where they're the two of them are jumping off a cliff into the the ocean, um, behind it you see behind them you see a uh, little town on the you know right on the edge of the the cliff there, uh, and the colors are just really nice. And you know I I was in Italy oh God like twelve years ago at this point, um, and we were there for a wedding and it was in a small little town. Um, that really didn't have electricity in their church and all that type of stuff. And it was just so cool to like, you know, it wasn't the um, uh, Rome or anything like that. It was a small town and you saw the history. So Pixar is good with diving into that stuff. I'm hoping that they do it here. I do pick up on a potential um, metaphor for this story, though, or the story being a metaphor for something else. Um, I wonder if Pixar is wading into um, a gay story of some sort for the first time. Um, I, I, well, yeah, I was going to say the out short was um, was the first time, but that wasn't Pixar. Um, so I don't know that I just kind of get a, uh, a feel for that. Um, Luke, who is watching right here on YouTube, will enjoy the fact that the producer of Cars 3 is also producing. So there you go, Luke. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for it. I mean, they have Soul coming out, which is, you know, as we talked about before, it was going to be at Cannes, and that is a huge sign for how good that movie could be. Uh, and Pixar just always knows what they're doing when they release their films. Their stories are incredible. Yeah, um, I think I, I look at the cynical nature of possibly the undertones of a gay storyline because I think about it. It's like you know, oh, Onward had the first gay character and stuff like that, and it was a very, very quick thing where she said, "My girlfriend at home," yeah. and it's something that could easily like be changed in China. It's like that's what I think it's going to be like. It'll be one scene with the two of them holding hands that's going to just be edited for the China version, which that's me being a gruff, cynical person. But <laughs> it could be. I mean, at some point, someone's got to break through that barrier. Yeah, uh, but but Disney has become known to be or known for being that company that's like, oh, we're going to have an LGBTQ character or we're going to have like some other representation. Snap. There it is. <laughs> um, it's Disney gone. <laughs> and you're like, what, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> uh, so that that's interesting. Tonight, before we came on, though, uh, also speaking of Disney, a really interesting casting story broke. And um I'm thrilled by it because I think this is really great. But we had talked about live action films, uh, live action, live action adaptations of animated films a few weeks back for Disney. And they're kind of hit or miss. Um, and mostly people are like, why the hell are you doing this? And we know that they're doing it to make money. 
But there is a live-action Pinocchio that's been in the works for quite a while. Um, back in 2018, Robert Zemeckis was attached to direct. And now the story that broke late tonight is that Tom Hanks is in talks to play Geppetto in Pinocchio. I love this casting. Thoughts? I'm very worried. Um, it's Robert Zemeckis, who did Polar Express, that Tom Hanks is going to play all the roles again. Um, and that has me uh, very concerned. No, I don't. I, I, honestly, Tom Hanks playing Geppetto does sound like the perfect casting. He is a wholesome character. Tom Hanks is a wholesome character. This is like the um, Mr. Rogers level of softball kind of deal. Um, I do have my, well, no, it's not a concern. It's not a concern at all. But um, I just think about when we're doing this, and this is a Disney live action, so this probably won't be explored further, but Geppetto is an incredibly, incredibly dark, depressing character. This is an old man who's all alone who builds a puppet in the hope that it'll be his son. I mean, you know, we look at it there, and it's just like, you know, all right, right on. Let's do the therapy sessions on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. <laughs> but um, I, I, I don't think they're going to really be exploring that. I think it's just going to be the fun, wholesome Geppetto, which, by the way, I'm fine with it. There's going to be a Disney kind of thing. Um, but um, I was also wondering, with this being Zemeckis, um, I don't know if the Guillermo del Toro version is still happening. There was a weird trailer that came out recently for a Pinocchio coming out this year. Um, so I think we're having a bit of a Pinocchio race, um, yeah. which is going to you know, kind of be the same Jungle Book kind of Jungle Book and then Mowgli King of the Jungle kind of deal. But um, that, that might be my one concern. That's exactly right. We had that with Jungle Book. We had it with Snow White. We had it with Hansel and Gretel. If this type of stuff happens over and over again, it's like one property really kicks off and uh, suddenly everyone wants to adapt it. So there is the Guillermo del Toro one. Is that the one I think that Ewan um, McGregor is attached to? I believe um, so. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, Luke is mentioning that in the comments. As well, that is separate. Um, that is definitely not the Disney version. Guillermo del Toro will not be doing a Disney version. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, but um, but hey, I'm I'm in for this one. Pinocchio. I, I I mean, I obviously know the story. It's not necessarily my like go to. Um, it's one of the obviously the original uh, animated films from Disney or one of the earlier ones. But um, I'm into it again. I, I will see the live action movies till the day I die. They can count on my like 1295 or whatever it will be when we come out of COVID like 4733 to go see a movie or something. I will do it. Um, so I, I have to admit that I did miss a good transition earlier and I'm really disappointed in myself. Um, but there is uh, another um, uh, LGBTQ representation story out there uh, and um, obviously that's not the focus of our podcast, but me being part of that community, I'm going to bring it up whenever I want to. So anyway, here we go. The, uh, you know, we know that the Hallmark movies on Lifetime have become a staple. Um, they are a lot of times crappy movies and never really the, uh, you know, Oscar, Oscar bait movies that you would expect at that time of year in, um, theaters, but on TV, they help people through, right? I think about like lonely old ladies with whining cats, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. But anyway, um, so last year, uh, if I'm remembering the story correctly, Lifetime featured a movie where there was um, a same-sex kiss, which was a big deal at that point. But now Lifetime has announced that for the first time, uh, it's going to uh, have a movie called The Christmas Setup, which features the first same-sex romance as the lead story, which follows a corporate lawyer who visits the Midwest and falls for an old crush. 
only to learn that a promotion may take him to London, leaving him with decisions to make. So it's pretty much like a cookie cutter, like someone falls in love story and, oh my gosh, they're moving to the other side of the world. What the hell am I going to do? Um, but I'm for it. Oh, I, I think this is a great step. I, I, I genuinely do. But I do wonder if there's no woman in the relationship who's going to end up being Santa. Because that is the big meme, is that Santa is always the woman in one of these where it's just like, I'm a... <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. No, this is this is a big um, you know, I, I've gotten into the TikTok memes and you know, like it's just like every lifetime movie and it's a woman saying like I'm a big girl with great dreams and I'm going into my small town home life and I'm falling in love with a guy. Oh, and also I'm Santa. <laughs> <laughs> And so that that was me going after the Tic Tac Tic Tac audience. There we go. That's how you know where I am. I uh, do TikTok love Tic Tac. <laughs> um, just uh, before that gets shut down. Um, but in ge- like just to circle it back to this, I think this is actually in genuine genuine commenting. I think this is a great move. I think this is one of the things where you you hear the very very vocal backlash, and that is just a very low minority. And, you know, yeah. the people that are just like, I'm canceling my lifetime subscription. I'm like, it's cable, you dumb bitch. And so it's just <laughs> not one of those things that could work. Um, and, you know, it's just, you know, there are um, every single day, there are 7,000 lifetime Christmas movies made. And that is a genuine stat. Don't don't uh, at me. Um, and uh, therefore, it's just one of those things um, where um, I, I think that this is one with a gay couple right in the lead, and I think uh, in the lead in the forefront, and I think that's a great situation. I think a lot of the you know ladies and maybe gentlemen who like you know sit back with a glass of white or red wine. I'm being very <laughs> inclusive on my wines as well. Um, I think that everyone would want to sit back and see this. I think that the people that uh, don't watch Lifetime are people that are going to get the most upset, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, people that had no intent of watching anything on that channel anyway. Um, no, I'm, I, I'm with you. I'm, I think it's great. I'm always about like piss people off to make, uh, to make change. It's what you have to do. And, you know, once people normalize it and see that, you know, it's, it's a movie about a love story and like there, there's not a like, you know, conversion spell at the end that's going to impact your life. Don't worry about it. Um, I think that they'll be great. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited for it. Um, it is. It sounds pretty cheesy, but I'm all for it. I joke around like I'm not a corporate lawyer. Um, I'm an education lawyer, but I'm like I'm moving to Milwaukee. Apparently, that's where my life is going to change. Uh, and my sister in law was like, "Oh, and then you're probably moving to London, then, right? Because that's how the story goes." I'm like, "I will go wherever <laughs> because uh, you'll be you'll you'll marry a prince and uh, like end up being Santa." <laughs> <laughs> and then, by the way, I'm Santa. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm pretty pumped for it, but um. I don't know. One person that was not very pumped for uh, the original X-Men movie 20 years ago uh, was uh, the original Wolverine, Mr. Hugh Jackman, um, who I think it was actually the second uh, X-Men movie that this story, the story that we're about to talk about covered. Um, Apparently the director, Brian Singer, who has a lot of troubled history um, was trying to, um, push forward with a store or with a 
uh, a stunt or something that ultimately ended ended up injuring uh, Hugh Jackman, which resulted in the cast like going to uh, the director's trailer and being like, "What the hell are you doing?" I think there were drugs involved or something like that. But that was my lame attempt at a transition. But we're gonna back up a little bit here. So it is the 20th anniversary of the original X-Men movie, Marvel's X-Men uh, for Fox, which um, I think it's really touted as the comic book movie that kicked off the comic book like renaissance in film. Um, but we got a story last week in various outlets. I've uh, been reading it on comingsoon.net. Uh, what's really interesting about it is that essentially we learned in past years that Brian Singer had a lot of trouble um, on set with drug usage and bringing people around. Um, and he's a, he's a gay man. So he's bringing, he was bringing young men around and casting them in roles and putting them in the roles and pushing them to write scenes and random stuff like that. But what we also found out in these stories was that X-Men was troubled from the beginning. They tried making it back in 1994. Um, I think the team, uh, or actually it was Joss Whedon was brought in to write a treatment or write a script for it. Uh, it was, um, a little more funny, I think, and humorous. Uh, and Brian Singer wanted to go a different route with it. So Weedham was pushed out of it. Um, but yeah, he apparently, Brian Singer just brought in a lot of unknown names um, who really had not been in the business for a long time. I think the one guy that wrote the script uh, was actually his assistant for some reason. Um and it just seems like it was not the best production. It seems like the cast was um, has has honestly played it pretty maturely by not coming out with a lot of this stuff over the years. I mean, 20 years is a long time for something like this to stay quiet. Um, but it sounds like there was just a lot of turmoil behind the scenes with right with the writing process. And does that surprise you a little bit? I don't know how you feel about the X Men movies. It's just uh, so um, you know shocking that uh, it turns out Brian Singer is not a fantastic guy because uh, based <laughs> on the recent news, um, he's real on the up and up. I mean, I, I, I will say, <laughs> like it is, uh, I will say, um, first of all, Brian Singer is still like getting work, which is really just kind of bothering me to my bones. I, I think that that's something that's. Like, uh, yeah, I'll use this word deplorable. Um, I, I think it's really, really, it's just, you know, what what some people, you know, wrongfully think of Hollywood, where there's just like pedo rings and Tom, our, our new Geppetto Tom Hanks is a pedophile and he's moving to Greek islands. You know, their, yeah. their, their ammo for that is, I mean, a bunch of lies, but their ammo for that is that Brian Singer is still getting work when this guy, I, I'm not even going, going further into that. Um, I, I will say that genuinely I am surprised that like the X-Men movies were a little bit of a mess because X-Men and X-Men to X2 are fairly good movies. I think yeah, they I are very well done. Um, they don't seem like a mess. It would be interesting. I think it was, you know, it would be interesting to see how the Joss Whedon like, you know, comedy approach would have gone, but I think it was better to see that dark version Um Oh God, I'm siding with Singer. Um, like, I'm, it's good to see that dark version of like you know the X Men, and just to say like you know this is a comic book movie, but it's dark. Now that type of pitch has been played out too much, and so people are making the comic book movies fun again, which is yeah. good. But I think like in order to access the comic book movies back in the well, this was late '90s, early '00s. Um, it's just that like, let's make this a little bit more, you know, dark and gritty and people are just like, Ooh, it's dark and gritty. That's how people got into Batman again, is they just, you know, they said like Batman begins dark night, that kind of deal. Um, and then finally, you know, some of the DC movies happened with the dark and grittiness. 
Um, and people said, all right, a little bit too dark and gritty. Let's go have some fun now. And so then, then we then we moved up to having fun again. Um, but to tell you the truth, it is it's it's tough to think that there were a million people writing this and stuff because it is rather cohesive. Um, yeah. Maybe that shows what Hollywood is. Maybe that shows like you know like the the long arm of the law you mentioned. How did the cast keep so quiet about this? I think it was that you know. Unfortunately, Singer had a bit of a hold on a lot of things. And so, or maybe like, you know, Fox just said like, you know, Singer's our guy, don't talk poorly about him. There could have been numerous, I don't know all the ins and outs of Hollywood, but you know, unfortunately up until recently, it was not a great place to be in in an environment of abuse and abuse of power. Yeah, I think you're exactly right there. I also think a lot of them were really up and uh, on the up and up in their careers. Um, I think about Hugh Jackman, who is one of my absolute favorite entertainers. Um, what he had mentioned back in, uh, so a little uh, disclosure, I've seen Hugh Jackman live in concert twice in the past year. Oh, um, nice. And he, he actually puts on an incredible show. That's oh, why God. I went back. Uh, but he he talks a little bit about the movies and he talked about how um, he apparently like wasn't working out his first days on the X-Men uh, set and he was so scared to like lose that. And I think that he was like a late addition, if I have the story right, to play Wolverine. Um, but I, all that to say, it sounds like a lot of them were just really happy to have this step in their career in a movie that became such a huge blockbuster. Uh, and really, you know, spawned two more movies and then look how many movies X-Men has gone on to do in the different iterations and different timings of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's the Brian Singer piece, I think is the larger part of this story, to be honest, because he just seems like he was a tragic person to work for and uh, is also a very disgusting person. So um, I'm, we don't have to get into that, but uh, I don't know. It's uh, it, it makes me wonder, and this is based, I forget what we were talking about a couple weeks ago, but it makes me wonder what else is going on behind the scenes of movies. Oh, it was the the Joss Whedon thing with um, Cyborg and uh, Justice League. You know, he's being accused of uh, a lot of different misconduct. What is that misconduct and what are we going to learn from that? So, yeah, I don't know. Is there, are there no good people in this world anymore? Uh, You know, I mean, it's, well, you know, let's just hope, but it could be the young directors out there. You know, I think, you know, Damien Chazelle treats him good. Barry Jenkins treats him good. Like, you know, um, I guess that's it. Uh, <laughs> those are the only two I can think of when I think of young promising directors. I think Paul Thomas Anderson's a good man. No, I think I, 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 I know. Like I think I think he's a great guy. I don't know. I, I I genuinely think this is one of those things where you know there's just a new generation, but there's an old generation that is still clinging, um, and is you know with with someone like you know, and not even just for you know his several several rapes but like with harvey weinstein out it's just one of those things where it's like okay that's a huge thing but there's there's probably a few other harvey weinstein like this is the thing about harvey weinstein is he was like kind of always a shit before this he was a like a bully he was abusive he was just like you know constantly controlling everything abusive to everyone in his path and you know that like now that he's gone that sort of, you know, and he's gone for a different reason. Let's face it. He's not gone because of all his abusive behavior. He's gone because of all of his, like all of the raping, which is the reason he should be gone and the reason that he should be taken out there. But um, I think that that culture is still there. I think that, however, more people are aware of that culture 
and I think that it's slowly chipping away. And in like 20 years, the uh, those assholes that used to be in charge are going to die, and you know we'll have like good people there, or will they become power? And this is going to be a um, you know all the king's men situation. Let's hope not. But well, you bring up a really good point though with the Harvey Weinstein situation that was known as like the, the worst kept secret in Hollywood, and it was the power differential that kept that quiet, right? Because he was a powerful movie mogul, and a lot of people were afraid for their careers. And you found out or we found out in the, you know, the past couple of years since all that, uh, the B2 movement started with Harvey Weinstein being the catalyst for it, or I guess the unmasking of him being the catalyst. Um, he, uh, a lot of people did lose their careers in a sense and were, you know, blacklisted from different films and different types of roles and really have had to build themselves back up. And in many cases couldn't even do that. So I wonder if, you know, that's, I, I think that's probably why we, find out much later down the road about productions that were pretty troubled or, um, you know, really shitty behavior from people that were involved. Um, and I also think, you know, taking it back to the justice league thing with, uh, Ray Fisher as cyborg, that that's the, the me too movement is probably a reason why we are getting it. What three years later, right. We're about to get all the news about it, yeah. uh, whatever happened. So, uh, I don't know. We, we shall see. We shall see. Um, but, but moving on to the top story that we wanted to talk about this week, which, uh, broke yesterday, I believe it was, um, we've been talking about Mulan being really the second biggest film of the summer that needed to find a home. And, uh, with Tenet releasing on September 4th stateside in limited capacity, um, or I'm sorry, September 4th overseas. No, the week before overseas, September 4th. Yeah. September 2nd, September 4th. Um, really did my research today. It's great. Um, (laughs) But we found out yesterday that Mulan is heading to Disney Plus, but the catch is that it will be twenty nine ninety nine to view. Um, so they're calling it PVOD, Premium Video on Demand, um, and that is that for that film. So that is debuting September fourth. Um, I believe that's Labor Day weekend, so it's also going up against Tenet in a way. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I I for one am probably going to rent it, um, but. What do you? What are your initial thoughts on this before we dive into it a little bit deeper? So I looked at this and I uh, said, you know, my initial thoughts were um, that uh, that's uh, too much money, um, and then uh, right after that, I said I'll be getting it. Like you know, it's <laughs> one of those things where I th- and then I I posted about it, um, and on like on the post, people were commenting that's too much money. Dot dot dot. I'll be getting it. And so I think it's one of those things where it's, you know, hey, we're, you were going to, if it was on, you know, just regular VOD instead of PVOD, have you known about premium VOD? You know what that is? $10 more. Like the, the actress better show up if it's going to be premium VOD. And <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, you know, we better get our own personal Mushu that doesn't exist in this movie. Like, I, I think about like, you know, with like, with VOD, if it was regular VOD, it's twenty dollars. So now it's thirty dollars. I'm like, like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. I mean, a, a trip to the theater would be, you know, just twenty, like, you know, about about thirty dollars if I got a small popcorn, like, you know, or, and then a large popcorn, it would be about fifty seven dollars. But um, I look at this and I say to myself, all right, so you know, it sucks that I'm sitting on a couch and I'm about to click something and I'm going to watch Mulan for thirty bucks. But then I put Sam next to me. And then, so then it's kind of like we both paid $15 for a ticket. And that's yeah. like my, my little way of saying, oh, there we go. Um, but that's like my only way of rationalizing this. Um, Save gas money. <laughs> it, it, we're saving the like two minutes it takes us to go to the theater. It's great. Um, 
I do have to wonder. Like, I, I just wonder. Like, this film was accused of, like, you know, uh, being a part of the supporting, uh, you know, communism in some certain ways, and uh, it's just interesting that now it's become the main weapon for capitalism when being charged. <laughs> I think that that's one of the like fascinating moments there. It's like, oh, checkmate for those people that had that theory. Um, well, and I think what you're alluding to is the the main actress had really spoken out against China um, in terms of the occupation of Hong Kong, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or was it vice versa? Against? I thought she spoke for China. Huh. That might be. T- take a look at that because I had arguments with my friends about that. And if she spoke out for or against China, that would be interesting. That would be a whole new um, situation. Yeah. Well, I think regardless, it's really interesting that there was a whole thing about, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about VOD, right? And we know that Trolls was really the one that led uh, led the charge to VOD and did rather well. Uh, I think they were 1999, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but the funniest part, I saw a tweet and I completely agree with this. They were like, I think the guy said I paid 19.99 for my child to watch trolls. And this is actually a movie I'm interested in. Um, and I think that that's a difference in, in terms of this movie that's coming out is that it will, it is a blockbuster movie and it is one that a lot of people have been looking forward to. So I think Disney's really testing the waters there. A lot of people would say, why not just put it on Disney plus for free? But the truth of the matter is they need to make money off of it. They spent, I don't know what the budget was for this film, but um, oh, 200 million it's right in front of my face. Um, so they need to make something back and they will be able to release it overseas. And I'm sure, you know, it's going to have strong DVD sales and all of that. But um, it's, do I love paying 30 bucks to see it? No. Am I going to? Yes. Do I also understand why they're probably charging that money? Also? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I look at this sort of situation and I just say to myself, um, you know, this is like, yeah, obviously the free for Disney Plus this is one of their flagship movies. This is going to be in theaters. It was going to make a killing. And so they're going to like up the stakes a little bit. I think $20 for a movie is plenty. Um, I think it's, you know, too much. I mean, you know, last weekend was uh, The Secret for $20 and I couldn't, uh, you know, hit that uh, $20 button and then look at myself in the mirror. I just could not. <laughs> do it so i just walked past that one pretty quick and um i looked instead and i just said you know like the 30 dollars situation is just something where this is a live action movie which is just something that everyone's going to pay no matter what for um and i i i agree that it is excessive and it feels excessive but it is more than a 20 dollars movie it is more than you know first cow was almost 20 dollars. like yeah. come on like this is more than a 20 dollars movie once again, I would support just paying $20. It is a little, it's going to be very weird going on to Disney plus and seeing like, you know, the Mulan and seeing that you have to pay this $20. That's going to be a little bit of an interesting thing. That's where I just thought like, why don't they just release it regular on VOD and just not have it a part of Disney plus just yeah. for the visual alone. Cause it's like, this is a subscription service. Um, it's, it's, it's only on principle. There's no actual like argument I'm making here, but uh, it's like, just, you know, have that like on its own on VOD and then later it shows up. But think about the the possible uh, paradigm shift for the industry here. If this is successful and there's a streaming service that is going to offer, uh, you know, PVOD um, with Milan. I mean, Amazon Prime al- already does their, you know, you can rent a movie through there and stuff like that. Um, but think about Netflix and think about Hulu. Will they get to a point where when they have movies like Palm Springs going to Hulu or... 
the trial of the Chicago seven, which is coming out in uh, Aaron Sorkin's next movie, which is coming out in October on Netflix. Could they potentially charge like a premium upcharge? Could it be $2 or something to, to rent that? Uh, it kind of goes back to, in a way, I, I don't know if you had movie pass during its prime. Um, but remember movie pass at one point to see like blockbusters on the weekend, it was a $2 upcharge or something like that. Um, and I remember at the time I was like, Oh my God, but um, you know, it's $2. So I don't know. I, I don't know if that's something that could really shift the uh, industry a little bit because the other thought that I have with this whole thing is Disney is making the, the gamble that uh, theaters aren't going to be open much uh, in in the next few months right there we're going to be in this state of not being able to go to the theaters for blockbusters in the u.s for quite a while yeah i mean like this is the whole thing they want to make money um and they want to make money off of one of their big disney films like this is one of their big disney films it is this one and then like black widow this year and that's really like you know the the two big ones where they say we can't just give this away yeah. Um, I, I think about, um, what you were saying. I can't remember what you were saying though. Um, it was something good. <laughs> it, was, it was very good. What you said, um, the production but, the, or the, uh, the paradigm Netflix, shift, like, yeah, with the Netflix and everything like that. I think about like Netflix and Hulu. I think part of the majesty of uh, Palm Springs was that, you know, you could just run in there and get it for free. And I think that they knew that. And I think Hulu knew that, that like, yeah. oh, wait, we can like run in there and grab like, you know, this like movie that everyone's talking about Palm Springs for free. I think with something like Netflix, like um, with the trial of the Chicago seven, that's going to be a tricky one. Cause it's Sorkin popular uh, trial of the Chicago seven, very popular uh, or not very popular, but you know, people will just, yeah, well like, known. people will probably be magnified by the cast and by the writer. Um, and then like, maybe there'll be a few people that know this. Now I think about, you know, I think that's part of the majesty of, um, when I think about it, it's Netflix and I think about Hulu. Uh, those are the new releases on those and they are a part of Netflix and Hulu. Yeah. Mulan is not a part of Disney plus and Mulan will eventually be a free part of Disney plus onward was not a part of Disney plus until it like, you know, was put on that catalog. Like basically like, you know, the new releases of Disney plus are, um, you know, I think about, uh, Black is King was just on there and, um, you know, several different shorts and maybe TV shows. But when you think about a movie that's been advertised in the Super Bowl and was advertised for that and it was expected to be a theater release, that's not going to go on Disney Plus. So I think there's a different. Well, OK, now I'm just eating my words because Trial of Chicago 7 was going to be released in theaters, but it wasn't like a prime big time theater release. It was something where it's like, you right. know. This can be seen on a small screen. Palm Springs genuinely was never a prime theater release. I think that, you know, I, I I got a little bit worried when you were saying that, like, what precedent does this set? And I'm like, oh, shit, that could be the case. Um, and it genuinely could be. Who knows what, who knows what an Irishman would have been like if it came out a couple of years from now. Um, but I think that, you know, when it's made by Netflix or when it's like purchased by Netflix in that situation, it becomes the Netflix movie. And so I think it's a little bit different than a VOD, slightly. Yeah. Like, and I, I think I'm being distinguishing with the Disney and a Disney Plus. They're the same thing, obviously. I'm not saying they're two different companies, but this was the Disney movie that was going to be in theaters, and so that's why they're charging this much. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get that, um, but I also wonder, you know, back in the day, think about Cloverfield Paradox, right? In hindsight, we can say it was a terrible movie, mm -hmm. but 
the if they were to announce like they did at the Super Bowl that they were going to put Par- uh, Cloverfield Paradox on Netflix um, for an upcharge of a dollar or two dollars at that point. I think a lot of people still would have done it because in its prime, Cloverfield was like, you know, everyone wanted to know what the hell that movie was and what was going on. We've kind of lost that mystery of like, is it a Cloverfield movie? Is it not? That hasn't really been played up. I think Overlord a couple years ago, if I'm not mistaken, was supposed to be a Cloverfield movie, but never made it to be one. Or like, I think they changed it at one point. I don't know. Um, well, now we know. Made the- oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Well, now we know that if it's a Cloverfield, like if they say it's a Cloverfield movie, that it really was never meant to be a Cloverfield movie. As we found out from the two sequels that were easily just like, you know, amateur, very good. One of them, uh, sci-fi movies. And Cloverfield Lane. (laughs) It was, it was a great movie until they enjoyed it. Like it was just so tough. Well, I mean, I think that's an example of if they would have continued down that, that, path and released a movie or two that really i think refocused onto the cloverfield story whether that was an origin or something of that sort that we would have um it would have made more sense i think it would have been we would have looked back on we would look back on 10 cloverfield lane and say like the whole thing is a great movie i still think it's a really good movie Mm -hmm. um but maybe that payoff would have been a little bit better if they would have followed through with that instead of the cloverfield paradox which just completely took things out of this world if you will out of uh, either world yeah out of any world um but you know so that also begs the question though with milan releasing like this um uh, the question has come up is this a sign of things to come if there's a success with milan does that mean black widow is going and in the earnings call yesterday with disney where they announced um that this was happening and disney plus by the way has is seeing massive growth there i think their subscription line uh uh rate is huge uh, which has really helped their stocks because the theme parks certainly are not. Um, they kind of alluded to like, this is this is just an anomaly. This is a one-time thing. But they also said they want to see how it does. So if we get down the road and it hits you know close to November when Black Widow is supposed to come out, and we find out that we uh, you know are still in quarantine and theaters aren't opening and blah, 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 blah what happens? Because with that movie in particular you're not only pushing one movie back, you're pushing back the entire uh, phase four, right? I think with this whole situation, it is exactly what they said. They're going to wait and see. They're going to see what this movie does. And I think they're going to compare it to the trajectory of what it what was projected in the theater, what the yeah. uh, sales are going to be projected in the theater. So that right there just tells me, okay, so you know, they're not going to make what they made in the theater. I, you know, hey, who knows? They could, but they're just not. Like, I just, they're just not. No. Um, so then I think about, um, all right, so they're not going to make what they made in the theater. Um, what are they going to make? Is it going to be close enough? Is it going to be enough to, for there's a return on the investment? Like, is that going to be what they have? And um, if it isn't, I think that's where the money's going to talk and they're going to say, all right, so Black Widow's not going to do this. Or if it is, they will immediately announce Black Widow Disney Plus for $30. Yeah, <laughs> I think that they will do it very, very close to uh, that time. Now, you know, a sign of things to come with a lot of stuff. I think we're going to just see a lot of our independent films on, you know, on VOD. Um, I think that's going to be what this is. Um, I think, you know, you'll still get someone like Nolan who's just like, no, only theater ever, only theater. Like he'll like he'll come into your house when you put on the DVD and he'll like, you know, just take you by the neck and say, no, only theater, theater only. And he's like, distribute tenant masks, give them tenant like hand sanitizer. (laughs) Yeah. Tenant masks. Way to go, buddy. That'll do it. Oh, God. 
I mean, yeah, they, they said, what is it? Like they said, you know, they're, they're saying like, oh, well, well, we'll make it the rule to wear the mask in the theater the entire time. And I'm like, there are people that have done way worse in a theater without getting <laughs> caught. And you <laughs> want to throw like, oh, no, but the, we'll, we'll monitor the like, you know, six inches of cloth on their face. Like, meanwhile, like, you know, Paul Rubens is in the back going like, not this time. And <laughs> I just, like, Come on. Like, like that was a, that was a journey you just took us on there. I've, I've, I've been. Uh, this is what happens when you know the internet goes out for four hours because then I'm just like you know mental. Let's do it. <laughs> well, can you believe that we live in a world where Mulan went to uh, VOD essentially before the New Mutants did? So I chalked that up as a, a win for the New Mutants. Good for them. You know they're still hanging in there strong for a theatrical release. <laughs> If it was if it was instead the new mutants that decided to go on Disney Plus for 30 fucking dollars, I would have lost my shit. <laughs> I would have still bought it to be honest. <laughs> oh, I, I would have definitely bought it after that. Like, I'm just ready for new content. I want like big blockbuster content. I miss like I don't get me wrong, I absolutely love going to see independent films. I love the idea of seeing the woman in the window. I love the idea of some of the releases that are coming out this weekend uh, and some of the stuff that we'll talk about in a few minutes with what we've watched. But, you know, I just miss that like anticipation of going to see a huge blockbuster movie. Yeah. I, d I just want to see Maisie Williams young again. Cause what is she like <laughs> two in that movie? Like, because <laughs> it was like made like 17 years ago. I don't know. It's going to be uh, a, Again, I don't think that movie is coming to theaters, but who knows? who knows? So is there anything that you hope gets released to VOD, though? So, you know, again, we're in a world where we don't know what the next few months are going to be, just as we really don't know what the last few months were here. Um, but, you know, what movies do you hope to go to VOD because you just want to see them so much? Or are there are they movies that you just want to hold out for to see on the big screen? So um, for both of your answers, it's Tenet. Um, I, <laughs> it really is. I, if he's planning on releasing it when he is, which it seems like at this point, that's, it's going to be released at the end of August, beginning of September. Mm -hmm. Um, I really don't, and who knows how things feel. I mean, I'm going to be starting teaching, so I'm going to be indoors for, you know, eight or nine hours every day. So maybe I'll feel okay of being eight, like indoors in a place like, you know, for two and a half hours. Um, but at this point, like I, you know, I don't feel comfortable about the theater situation. So I'd like it to be, um, I'd like to have tenant on VOD. Um, I also do not want to see tenant on VOD and I want to see it in theaters because I am a walking contradiction, baby. Like <laughs> meaning that I want like I move tenant to 2021 when the world stops burning and just like, you know, or I think uh, maybe there'll be a hurricane when I try to go, like who knows. Um, but at this point, um, I just really, I want to see Tenet in theaters. I also want to see Tenet. And so yeah. at this point I'm settling and I'm settling for VOD and he's not going to put it on VOD, even though it would make more money and you could still put it in theaters, which by the way, I think Mulan is still going to be in theaters as well. So, yeah. you know, like, you know, you're getting your magical wish, Christopher Nolan. And I'm, and I'm crapping on Christopher Nolan for, you know, being like a theater nerd and stuff like that. I'm a theater nerd. I want to only see movies in theaters for the rest of my life. I love movie theaters more than anything. I will watch first cow in a movie theater. I genuinely will. I'll watch that barge go around for three minutes. Like I, I, I want to see that, but I just know that right now theaters are obsolete, not obsolete, excuse me, are uh, out of service. They can, you can't, you can't have them right now. And so yeah. that's me. What about you? Yeah, so there's a a lot of answers I have for this. One in particular is like you know I think about a woman a woman I think about a movie like Wonder Woman eighty four 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a movie that I'm really excited to see. I really like the first Wonder Woman. I'm well known to be a DC fanatic. Um, but I wonder if that's a movie that they would consider going to HBO Max, right? Uh, I think that that might be a good pull for it to be able to um, drum up some excitement for DC. But at the same time, they're they're doing well with that. I mean, they have DC fandom in less than two weeks. And maybe that's something they'll announce. Who knows? Um, but I do think that there's a lot of opportunity there for some of the movies that we know aren't going to be like the absolute blockbusters, um, but are more middle road. And I think Wonder Woman, I would classify as one of those. Um, just because I think the DC movies have not really taken off. They've, you know, Wonder Woman did well, be- the first one, because it was um, critically well received. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a nice change to all the crap that everyone felt like they were getting with Batman versus Superman and um, ultimately Justice League as well. Um, but I also think of movies like Candyman. I think Candyman is one of those remakes that's middle of the ground that would be, or middle of the road that would be a good release for um for vod uh and i was just flipping through the car the calendar a little bit um and you know i I don't know if they would they're definitely not going to do pixar soul right because they're expecting that to be a big hit um that's going to be interesting i don't know where they're going to put that because i I think that's once again they're going to see with mulan mulan really is the guinea pig which is surprising but i think they're just going to see what that does um in those situations there's other movies like, you know, there's a remake of Mortal Kombat coming out in January, which I'm excited for. Um, but I, I do think that they have hopes of a, a franchise there. So I don't know that they would relegate that to um, to VOD. So I don't know. I, I really have no idea. Um, I was surprised that Milan finally did because I've been saying forever that it wasn't going to. Um, so eat my words there. But uh, I just want new content. I just want good new content. I I feel like I have watched a lot of movies recently and here's a good segue into what we've been watching that have been decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing has blown me out of the water. I mean, host, I, again, I really enjoyed and to talk about that a little bit more. Um, like I said, it was six friends over zoom doing a seance. Things go crazy. Uh, and it's, it just uses the found footage, um, uh, found footage genre really well. Um, it, it also, plays well on your expectations of horror so you know like when you see a horror movie and maybe i'm talking to someone who can't you know um, <laughs> i'm i'm new but i'm getting there I, I i i'm i kind of i get the idea of the horror movie so certain horror movies though you know when when something's going to happen you expect it um and this did a nice job of playing with that expectation and being like we know that you're expecting it here so we're going to wait a couple more seconds and then hit you <laughs> um so it got me it got me a lot um, but another film that I watched, which you hated, and I actually thought was pretty fine, was Animal Crackers. Let's go. Animal Let's Crackers go. <laughs> is a ridiculous concept of, you know, uh, basically a, a boy that uh, grows up to be a man who goes back to the circus and hell yeah. <laughs> man, I'm really good. Just sign me up to write your summaries. Um <laughs> But uh, he ends up eating animal crackers to turn into different animals to help the circus be profitable and successful. And that was the family secret. And someone's trying to take over the the circus. And, you know, it was underdeveloped in terms of the story. I mean, Ian McKellen as the the bad guy, like, was (laughs) pretty bad. Say it right. Ian McKellen as Kelsey Grammer. Because there's (laughs) there's no way out of that one. There's no way out of it. 
Pretty much. But the rest of it, I mean, I, I think part of the reason that I enjoyed it was the two leads are um, John Krasinski and Emma, Emily Blunt. And I was all about that. I mean, obviously, they're married in real life and they're adorable in real life. Um, but I don't know. I just thought it was a cool concept. So the, I, I will actually like side with you there. The premise is great. I think their delivery was rough. And so that was the one thing. It's just like, you know, I thought about it. I was like, and when you introduce the premise halfway through, which is fine, it's just, I'm already like out. And so it's yeah. like, you know, oh, cool. It premise. went on far too long. And it, then, it you was... know, you see, like, not to spoil, but I saw the two dogs hanging out and I'm like, well, I know what that is. I know yep. what that is immediately. Come on. <laughs> so I'm with you there. Sense. I'm with you there. But I mean, again, you said this when we first talked about it, right? Uh, was the, you have to think about who the film's intended for. Um, so I think that may, it may have been a good reveal for a kid or something and smart yeah, of Netflix to take this film that was made in 2017 and make it a big deal in 2020. Um, but Hey, that was interesting. I watched Tangerine, which you and I also talked about a little bit. Um, very, very interesting movie. Cause it's not what I expected, but it's about trans sex workers um, in uh, LA. And one of, one of them just gets out of prison and finds out that her, boyfriend who is also a pimp essentially um is uh cheating on her so she goes searching for him and that's that's pretty much the story um but it's shot on an iphone 5s it is the director of the florida project um and it was i, I don't know it was it, there's something about how raw and gritty it is that is extremely welcoming and fun so what I loved about it was just, you know, and I think about Sean Baker with the Florida Project, and I saw this before I saw the Florida Project. So I saw them in sequence. And uh, they're, they're, wait, they're not companion pieces, but um, no. <laughs> I should mention that right off the bat. Um, but what he does in both movies is he sort of holds onto a character that is disagreeable at best and terrible at worst and makes them human. And you look at that in the Florida project where, you know, you don't know Willem Dafoe's story at all. Like you really, you know, there's not, you know, it was not a great story, but you just hold on to him enough to not be a hero, not be a villain, but just be a human. And yeah. that's just, and several other characters in Florida project. But I just think of Dafoe just cause you, it's just, that, that was just such a mysterious character. And I think of the, uh, you know, the husband in Tangerine, the same sort of situation where, you know, you're not supposed to like him and he's not doing the greatest of stuff for his family, but it is still just great to just watch him sort of deal with that. And it's, and you know, uh, Sean Baker's a pioneer in the sense that like now Soderbergh, like, you know, films like everything with an iPhone, but also with his feet and, you know, everyone's underwater cause he wants to do the next big experiment. Like I love Soderbergh, but it's like, you know, make a new, make a different movie. But yeah. <laughs> he's just like always doing something crazy. And, but I just love that Baker was like the first to pioneer with that. And that that's very fascinating to me. Yeah. I think it's pretty fascinating that this was done on a five S even more fascinating that, um, that wasn't revealed until after shooting. Like people didn't know that, which I think is kind of cool. Um, I don't know. I, I think he plays with traditional story tropes in that you don't necessarily get like a three act film from him. You kind of just get like one continuous scene in a lot of ways. Um, and it's just like, it, it's like, it puts you in the, the shoes of the characters. Right. Yeah. And it's very real. And again, gritty is the term I keep coming up with, but, um, I, I think that's why I liked it. It was, it was raw, it was rough, but it was real. And it uh, really was fascinating to me in that sense. 
Um, the last one I watched, I'd been looking to watch this uh, for quite a while. It was Retaliation. So it's on VOD. It's with Orlando Bloom. Um, he plays a 37-year-old man who uh, was abused as a child by the clergy, uh, sexually abused uh, at the age of 12. Uh, it's all about his relationship with his mother, his challenges in life with you know, keeping a, uh, a girlfriend and um, his uh, anger issues and just really how an individual like that um, who's been through that is uh, working his way through day-to-day life. So it, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it wasn't the greatest movie. I think his performance was incredible, um, but I, di- I did enjoy it. So, it, it, you know, it's a run-of-the-mill movie in that sense for me, but they did a nice job of um, diving into really what, uh, you know, what an individual like that would be feeling and um, the anger and the uh, directionless, you know, lifestyle and just... Um, the, the emotions that run through them, even to, you know, that what 25 years later, he's still dealing with it. It seems like a very heavy movie though. Like it is, it is. I watched that. And then I watched Tangerine back to back and I was like, well, this is different. (laughs) Uh, What have you watched? Oh boy. What have I watched? So um, I'm just keeping it to the new releases only because I watch way too many movies and we'd be here all night if I, uh, you know, kept talking but you know the first one i watched is a very interesting story of how i ended up watching this but um someone on instagram uh, uh contacted me and just said can you watch my uh very low budget horror film it's on amazon so i'm like oh okay so they've obviously like invested some money into this so you know i'm sort of doing them a favor but also i'm just like i'm sort of interested to see what this is and uh this movie was called um remy's demons um now, this is where I, you know, I may have graded this one on a curve because I'm thinking like I, I, I went through myself saying like, well, it's low budget horror. So obviously, if I saw this on the big screen, I would I would have some issues with it. But, you know, if I'm talking about it in this situation, maybe like, you know, this is a situation where this is someone that did what they could with the budget they had. And even though they did what they could with the budget they had, it's still filmed very well where you can see that the filmmaker is very talented colin bressler is the filmmaker and it's very talented it's very interesting um the story is very interesting once again i just can't emphasize enough and this is why like you know i gave it a b instead of an a but it's low budget so you're like yeah. you know you'll, you'll see some stuff where you're like oh boy that actor was a friend or you know like you'll see those kind of things and that's totally fine for me and it actually helped me open up like you know like oh there's this interesting way where i can look at art through this sort of lens and it was like kind of a growing experience for me um so you know i i'd recommend it's a good solid horror it's like a good interesting horror there's um you know a lot to it a a lot did genuinely like put it put a chill into me so i i was a little bit fascinated by it so i'd say that you know this is something where i would love to see this person make it big and then remake this movie under like you know just a more intense situation yeah, I'm reading the review of it, or not a review, um, but the summary of it, and it's pretty interesting. I mean, it seems pretty involved, to be quite yeah. honest. But um, yeah, it sounds like something I would want to check out. And uh, Colin Bressler is the director, writer, and producer. So yeah, it, it's I, I, I will emphasize low budget again just to make sure. But um, it is it is good. It is it is a good solid movie. Um, then this weekend came and I watched a whole bunch of stuff. Um, <laughs> I started on Friday with watching uh, Black is King, the visual album from uh, Beyonce Knowles Carter. Um, and uh, it was great. Um, was it a movie? No. Was it a visual album? Yes. And so that's the one thing I really have to remember is because like you're not getting a plot. You're not getting the three act structure here, um, but you are getting some 
beautiful looking artwork there like you know throughout the whole thing she mm -hmm. directed it um and i mean i'm telling you the choices she made were just fascinating it like brought you into like an african culture she kind of went into the perils of raising a black son um and i i was kind of just like sort of taken aback by how like moved i was by it because you know with beyonce i just think about like yeah the music's pretty good and the music was great at this by the way but i just say like yeah her music's pretty good but sometimes like she goes a little bit overboard with her performance stuff it's a little bit much um <laughs> was her going overboard, but in a great visual, beautiful way. So yeah. Black is King was another great one that I highly recommend. I've yet to watch that. I'm I'm not the biggest uh, Beyonce fan, to be quite honest. I mean, she, I think she's good. I just, I, I have a problem with how she's held on such a high pedestal. Like she, I, I usually say that she could take a shit in the middle of the street and people would clap for her. Yeah. Um, and, but, uh, I don't know, I, I, but I'm going to watch it because I've heard great things about it and I really love the messaging there. So, um, you know, she is very talented. So I want to see how she kind of spreads her wings with us. It is interesting because you are absolutely right. And she took a street. So just like skip forward through the uh, scene where she takes her shit in the middle of the street. But um, <laughs> I, I do think that like, yeah, it's something where like, yeah, she is a little bit high concept with her art sometimes. And I saw that a lot in the movie where I'm just like, oh. Jesus. Okay. So, but it was still beautiful to look at. It was still good. It still had a message, but yeah, if you're, it, it's, it's interesting without a doubt. Um, I then went on to see on Saturday night, I went to see Summerland, not went to see, well, if only uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I pressed a button and I saw Summerland and, um, and I thought with uh, like Summerland, I, this was interesting because I didn't know about this movie Sunday afternoon and Sunday night I decided to start watching it. Um, and it was this great, beautiful movie that takes place in Ireland um, during uh, the World War II. And uh, a, a gruff um, female author is um, taking in a, a young boy who's evacuating from London. Um, and so at that point, at the beginning, you kind of roll your eyes and you're like, oh, gee, I wonder if she starts to like the boy and stuff like that. And so... At, at, at first, this premise starts to get predictable, and so I started to like start, you know, a little bit of rolling <laughs> my eyes. But then, as it goes, it gets charming, it gets fun, it does what you predict, and then it takes a bunch of turns where that you don't expect. And from that, I just said to myself, "This is a very enjoyable, very heartwarming uh, movie." It has Gugu and Bafa Raw in it, huh? It does. Um, don't get excited just for her because she is barely in it, but um, she is in it. She is great. She is like radiant in it. But I will actually uh, talk about the um, the lead actress who is Gemma, my Gemma name. Arterton. Yeah, she is unbelievable in this, like top-notch performance. Um, everyone keeps talking about her, but really she is just like, or excuse me, I shouldn't say just, she is a stage actress, so I haven't really known about her, but that is like her main thing. Um, and so she hasn't really done much that I have seen, um, but okay. this was just amazing. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, the last one is an interesting one because I'm conflicted about my review for this. I don't know if maybe I'm being improper with my review, but it's called Yes, God, Yes. And it's about a, a high school girl who is uh, sexually discovering herself during a Catholic retreat. Um, and uh, there, there's some interesting notes to this one for me. I was raised Catholic. Um, I am a Christi Christmas and Easter gentleman now. Um, and uh, I... Um, I think about this one where I got a little bit weird about this review because first of all, I went on this retreat and they are spoofing a certain type of retreat. They changed the name um, and I went on this retreat and I had a good time. 
it wasn't really like as hyper religious as this movie is making it out to be. Um, I worry about satire, maybe criticizing like making the religion a little bit too goofy or a little bit over the top. This was actually the same issue I had for the, you know, minor uh, segue um, uh, for with Jojo rabbit, where um, I thought that maybe the satire was a little bit over the top with um, Hmm. that kind of stuff. And it's obviously a group that needs criticism. Both are groups that need criticism. Um, But I think that if you go a little bit too over the top with the satire, is there some of the fuel taken out of the criticism? That being said, hmm. I was raised Catholic on the East Coast. <laughs> Meanwhile, this takes place in the Midwest. Now, could it have been a like more difficult experience for her in the Midwest in that situation? I would actually bet quite a lot. So was this a genuine like, you know, satire then? It actually might have been. And so that's where I like I have my conflict with this one. And so, yeah. After all of that, I will say that this movie is amazing. And it's funny and it's like very, I think I said charming already for a movie, but it's very charming. It's very like energetic with what it has. And um, it was like very, very enjoyable. And I think that the one thing is that even though the satire goes over the top, I think with the Christianity, I think like people like in that religion will also enjoy it. I think that, you know, it's, it's a little bit, you know, gruff with like, you know, <laughs> like her sexual discoveries at time and stuff like that, but it's yeah, not that's not going to be the most popular part. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's not as biting as I really thought. So that was like my sort of piece with that movie. So I gave it a B. Maybe it should have been an A. And that's where I go back and forth because I'm like, I think it was that good, but like, I, and those are the issues I had with it. But do you find yourself getting into cycles where you use the same terms to describe movies? Like when you're trying to write reviews, a lot of times I'll be like, oh, it definitely gets down to, you know, like the raw emotion of blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I just used that four times in four different movies. I, um, it, it's, it's that bad. And also like, I've just like, I've, I've put words at the top page of my review that I can't use anymore. Cause I realized that I think incredibly is used in every single one of my reviews. And so I said to myself, I've got to stop. Like, just it was just incredibly sad. It was incredibly beautiful. And I'm like, okay, I got to stop using incredibly. It's <laughs> an incredibly good word to use. Um, so some incredibly good releases maybe that are coming out this week. Uh, Secret Garden is heading to VOD. Uh, Work It on Netflix. An American Pickle on HBO Max tomorrow, I believe that is actually. Yeah, weird release date. Um, and then Made in Italy, which I think is the one on this list that I'm most interested in. Yes, the that is the Liam Neeson with his son going to Italy, which already, you know, I'm ready to go to Italy. So let's do that. Let's put that <laughs> in. Let's talk a lot about Italy today. Um, <laughs> talk a lot about Italy. The account Rachel's Reviews reviewed uh, me uh, Made in Italy and had some positive things to say about it. It makes it sound like a movie that I would really be up for. I'm just excited to see Liam Neeson and not an action movie. And I'm not saying that he's not a good action star, but he's a little bit overboard with it. And so, right. you know. I, I, and we I, saw I, the same action it, with him. Like it was the same movie, just with a different title each time. Oh God, it was rough. Like, so I'm just excited for him to just like be back to his, like, you know, love actually roots where he's just, you know, talking about like, you know, just talking about love or something. I don't know. <laughs> just, just talking about love. <laughs> um, well, Sean, this was fun. I'm glad that we finally were able to uh, get together tonight. Now that the storm has passed and it was a beautiful day here. I, I had a wonderful day here as well. Yeah. You're you're like looking at your walls, like yeah, yeah it's been great. My walls in the outside at night, but um, it's because <laughs> that right outside of us, there's like 17 trees down. 
Oh, man. Well, listen, uh, upcoming things uh, on the schedule here. Uh, Guys Movie Quizzo, the Harry Potter movie edition, has been moved. It was originally supposed to be tonight. It will now be on August 19th, two weeks from tonight. Uh, And the first ever Guide to Movies virtual film festival. We've been making a lot of announcements about what is coming down the road with that. Sean, you're involved. There's a lot of great people involved. Um, a couple announcements were recently made about a Q&A with the director of Night Hunter and a Q&A with the co-directors of the short Star Wars fan film Shadow of the Mandalorian. Um, and there's a couple other announcements on the way that I am uh, working to finalize uh, before I can say them. They are happening. I just have to finalize the specific details. But it's really turning into a, a wildly fun event. Um, every day I'm adding more individuals to be involved. Uh, and a lot of great uh, sessions that will not just be, you know, watching a movie together or listening to a podcast or what a, a Q and A's or anything like that, but a lot of good educational sessions for those of us who are content creators and uh, look to uh, criticize films in a way that isn't uh, juvenile. And um, I hated it and stuff like that. Do you mean incredibly uh, juvenile or incredibly juvenile? I incredibly hated it. <laughs> So, uh, but that will be fun. That is August 28th to the 30th. You can find out more on Instagram at Guys Film Festival, as well as on uh, guyatthemovies.com slash film festival. I forgot my website for a second there. I was like, what? <laughs> um, but you can register there. There'll be some fun uh, exclusives coming out. Um, but yeah, making announcements really like every day with it, which has been a lot of fun. So um, guys, anybody who's listening right now, right now, sign up. It is free. All right. It is not $30. It is free. <laughs> Go to the guy at the movies.com slash film festival. Right. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, I, I definitely do sign up. We have, it's been really good response so far. Um, and I'll probably talk about it like on nonstop for the next couple of weeks, but uh, really pumped about a small idea that has kind of blossomed into more. Um, but just really excited. I think to hang with everyone, like that's the best part of doing a lot of this stuff is the people you meet and, uh, watching some fun movies and you know shooting the shit about movies we may have loved, may have hated, may not see eye to eye on. It does genuinely sound like fun. Like I'm not just saying like you know, hey, sign up, but like sign up because like I've I've seen the schedule, I know the people involved, and this is going to be like <laughs> something that's really a lot of fun. And the crazy thing is, the schedule's even changed a lot since. Well, not a lot, but there's been a lot of additions since uh, since you last saw it. So sounds good. Yeah, well, keeping that suspense alive. Sean, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram at Math Teacher Movies. I review a lot of movies. I'm like just like right now cramming through the classics. So if you really want to know about uh, you know all the Kurosawa films and stuff like that, but I also do the new ones and then TV and podcasts. So check out all those. Did you like the promo for you for the uh, film festival? Two plus two equals Math Teacher Movies at <laughs> Guy at the Movies. I was so excited. I will have to, you know, say it wasn't mathematically accurate unless four equals M times A times T times H. But I'm not going to get into that right now. Oh my God, we lost your stream. Bye. I froze. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, To listen to the podcast week to week, please make sure that you are subscribed, you comment, you like, you do whatever you need to do. Give us those five star ratings on any of the podcast platforms where you listen to podcasts that could be google play that could be apple music or apple Podcasts. i guess that is that could be stitcher that could be anything spotify the internet youtube whatever you like 
but please do so. Uh, seeing those comments, seeing that feedback really helps us uh, figure out where we want to go with this in the future. We still are a very new podcast and we are still finding our feet, but we are having a great time doing so. And at the end of the day, please wear that damn mask. Uh, and we will see you next Tuesday for your regularly scheduled program, unless there is another hurricane. Sean, <laughs> see you later. See you later. <laughs>